Todd. And this is Kathy. Welcome back to another episode of Zen Parenting Radio. This is podcast number 721. Why listen to Zen Parenting Radio? Because you'll feel outstanding and always remember our motto, which is the best predictor of a child's well-being is, in fact, a parent's self-understanding. Uh, on today's, today's show, we have our good friend, Hunter Clark Field. Yay, Hunter. Hunter's uh, an author. Um, she's been a friend of ours since, I don't know, it seems years, years like the beginning. Uh, she's a mindfulness me- mindfulness mentor. Uh, she's the host of a podcast called Mindful Mama, a global speaker, number one best-selling author of Raising Good Humans, which we're going to talk about. And then today, on August 1st, her second book comes out, Raising Good Humans Every Day. She's got over 20 years of experience in meditation, yoga practices, uh, and you have two daughters, right? Mm-hmm. So welcome, Hunter. So glad you're here. I'm so glad to be here. Um, it's such an honor. I couldn't have imagined when I was like s- screaming at my my <laughs> phone and being like, but how? And listening to you guys and just being like, oh, I want to be like Todd and Kathy, but I would be here talking to you guys. It's such an honor. No, well, we're just happy to have you on with us. That's so nice how long have you been doing the podcast for? I forget. It's been 10 years now. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, we're on like in the 400s of episodes. When you said 700, I was like, oh my God. But yeah, it's does been it, 10 years. Does it come out every week? Are you a weekly cadence yeah. basically? We're weekly at and, this point. And is it yeah. all uh, interviews or do you just talk solo sometimes? No, um, sometimes what I what has been getting a lot of downloads lately actually is I do some on-air coaching calls. Mm-hmm. And so that people like those a lot. But yeah, other than that, it's interviews because I like to talk to people. So in other words, somebody calls up or you schedule something with you saying, hey, I, I got mm-hmm. some issues, I need help. And they're like, great, we're going to record it and put it up there for other people to learn from our yeah. exchange. Yeah, yeah, nice. yeah. Which I think is so cool and brave of people to do that. And I'm always like, thank you. This is, it's meaningful, right? For to have people get vulnerable and share all this stuff. Talking about vulnerability and sharing, Kathy was on TikTok last night and you found a bunch of the red, what's the? the D- uh, red table. Red it's table Jada interviews. Pickett. Jada Pinkett-Smith and her daughter Willow and her mom. And she had um, Demi Moore and her three daughters. And it's old, by the way. Like, this is not a new thing, Todd. This came out, like, years ago. Yes. But all three daughters have had significant challenges with substance abuse, Mm -hmm. I think. I mean, you talk talk about vulnerability. um, You know, there's a version of people to be like, I'm not going to say this to my next door neighbor, much less put it out there. So anyways. Well, what was great about it? It was like a conversation. Obviously, it's, you know, Jada's family, like her mom and her daughter, and they've all had issues that they've talked about. And then you've got Demi Moore with her, two of her daughters. She didn't, her her daughter Scout wasn't there. And they were talking about their history with their mom's addiction. And and there was no like, they were just talking about it. And and there is something so I was glued. Like Todd's like, are you still watching that? Mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, because it, just like you're the people who do that on your show, where you're talking about not generalizations of people's ex- experience, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but like somebody is asking a real question about their family, and you are with their emotion. And as you yeah. said, what an what an honor to that they trust you. Um, mm-hmm. I, Hunter, how do you navigate talking about your own challenges and vulnerabilities? And I'll share how we tend to do it. If, you know, whatever, let's say I yelled at my kid for blah, blah, blah. We always keep our kids, like we don't mention which of the three kids and sometimes mm-hmm. we'll be a little more ambiguous. So we're mm-hmm. not outing any of their personal stories. Um, how, is that something that you subscribe to on your podcast sometimes where you're willing to kind of share something a little messy about yourself? Oh yeah, definitely. Um, and I, 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 yeah, I'm cognizant of trying to keep sort of the personal stories their own, but yeah, at the same time, like it's interesting because when you have things like maybe with your own parents or with your kids, like it's also your story too, right? Like some, my story of me losing my temper is also my story of me losing my temper. And I may not go into the details of the nudgy, annoying things that my kid was doing because she was hangry to like provoke it in me, right? Like, but, um, but yeah, it is there. So yeah, sometimes I'll say I have a daughter. Since I only have two daughters, it might be easier yeah. to distinguish between them, I guess, because one is the older and one is the younger daughter. And, but, um, but I, you know, I mean, I guess there's, I think I, 
I feel comfortable talking about them when they were little. And I just say, you know, my daughter, when she was this age and it's who knows which daughter it was and who cares anyway, because they were two years old, you know? Um, And then, you know, nowadays, I don't know, nowadays, like there's less, there's frankly, I mean, there's different challenges, but they're not the same parenting challenges that there were. And I think they're because I was able to like kind of turn around this ship that was going in a bad direction when they were young. And so actually things, some ways like everyday interactions and things like that, which are like intensely challenging when they're like a lot of things have gotten easier and easier as time goes on rather than escalating. I mean, there are a whole host of other challenges that come with living with humans in the world, right? Um, but they're but they're not necessarily parenting related as much. So um, I get to kind of avoid a lot of that disclosure, I guess. Well, you put in all that, you know, Todd and I have always called it dividends because there's a lot of this hard work up front um, where you're doing all this. And I know because I've read your book and I've known you for so long and, you know, listened to your show, you do all this hard work on yourself and you're willing to look at all these things and you're willing to do something differently with your girls and you're willing to like, you know, just have a completely different perspective on how I want to do this, you know, and what that does to your point, I'm just reiterating is then later on, all, you cleaned up a lot, you know what I mean? All, and not you personally, but all of us, you're cleaning up a lot of things that then you can have easier conversations. Things are already on the table. The girls know that you, they can trust you. They don't feel judged. Mm-hmm. They know that you have humility. There, there's all these things that are already out there. And how old are your girls now? 16 and 13. Yeah. So you're right in it. So we're not, but JC, as you know, she's 20, uh, Cameron's 18 and Skyler's 15. So we're kind of you know, overlapping each mm. other. And how have you liked having teenagers? I, you know, I love that question because I love having teenagers. I mean, honestly, the, I think it's great. And it, I do see like, it was like all this like effort, so much effort when they were younger, so, so much effort. And you could see it pay off. You know, it is, it's just so much easier to talk to them. It's I like hanging with them. They're fun to hang out with. They want to hang out with me. They tell me stuff mostly, you know, and, you know, my one daughter is 13 now and like 13 has its issues. Like 13 is like there is separation at 13. And and I'm just like, wow, I see that 13-ness in you today, you know, Mm -hmm. and I don't take it personally. Um, I don't know. I maybe in a way I would have before, but, but yeah, I love having teenagers. People are like, oh, you have teenage girls you know, the whole eye roll thing. And no, it's great. Like, don't, if you, yeah, I think that is something that you can aspire to, to like, you know, make your relationships positive and and good and and open and authentic and be real with your kids and, and all of those things. And then they just don't have, like when I was, when I was 13, when I was 14, it was a mess, right? Like there was so much pushback. There was like, you know, there was running into the 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 arms of not very helpful peers and like bad situations, right? And like escaping my family. And there were repercussions from that for years and years and years. But yeah, I really think that that shift towards away from I'm a parent that has to control this child and I have to make them do these things. And I, you know, not not having boundaries, but that shift from authoritarian control to like, I'm in a relationship with a human. And I, and when I'm, the definition of discipline is to teach, right? If we can move into that place of like, what do you need to learn in this situation? If we can look at conflicts and instead of saying who's right and who's wrong, who's going to win and who's going to lose, if we can say, what do you need in this situation? What do I need in this situation? How can we figure it out? Right. If we start, if we can make those shifts and especially if we can make them when they're young, it's really great, but we can make them at any time. And it just is like that shift to like a relationship with a human. And then, you know, who said it? I, I quote a friend of yours. Cause I know that the, who wrote, and I, I forget her name. She wrote the soul to soul, right? Like oh, that Annie whole Burnside. idea soul to soul. Yeah. Who would say her name again? Annie Burnside. I know. I wanted to shout her out Annie Burnside and she soul to soul versus roll to roll. Like Absolutely. that's so key right like i'm a human with you another human and it's our relationship and then it can grow and 
get easier. I feel like sometimes, um, and I don't know how to say this without it's coming out bad, but like our teenage daughters, most of the time like us. And (laughs) I know that there's a lot of parents out there that listen to this podcast, like my kid hates me and Mm -hmm. uh, I screwed up and I don't know where to start. And I just wonder, like I find myself challenged to answer that question because it happens a lot. Can I can I say this to like frame it better for people instead of my kids like me, my kids don't. The frame that I like is we are in a typical relationship with our kids that is very human, which is we have a good time together, we like each other, we're respectful of each other, and then there's challenges mm-hmm. occasionally that we have to work through sure. because there's been a miscommunication or there has been they feel that they're not, you know, being seen in some way or we're having to, you know, they feel, you know, whatever it may be, we're in a typical relationship with them versus, as to your point, this authoritarian, we're in charge, you either, you know, it's my way or the highway. And that that lends itself to having more of, and, you know, some people don't like this word, but I'm fine with it with the age my kids are. I've We have a friendship with our children, right? There is a peer-to-peer kind of thing. I mean, my oldest is 20, for goodness sakes, you know? Yeah. And so I think, Todd, then go into your question about how do we start now? Well, and, you know, we were just talking to a friend and this friend said, oh, man, I just, I, I made some big mistakes. Mm-hmm. Like I prioritize work too much. And now my sons, when they get home, they just want to go in the room and the door is closed mm-hmm. and they have no interest in engaging with me. And I honestly struggle with my, my invitation to parents who have those problems is like, just find a thread, just find, and this is, comes from John Duffy. He's like, just find one thing that you could pull on, whether it's games or music, just to engage them a little bit. Um, but that's like where my tools kind of run out to help them like with something like that they can put into practice right now. And I just wonder if anything pops to your mind when you have parents that ask those questions. Oh, sure. I mean, I think it's never, never too late. I mean, that's the the thing is like the universal skills. And in fact, like in the new book, I have a, I was thinking of chapter 37, why I want to date my child. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I have a chapter called why I want to date my child. And the thing is, it's like, I, I like the language of dating, right? Because like, if you're like, you're, you have, things are rocky with your partner, maybe your marriage, you know, you're like, everyone's like, have a date night, that kind of thing. And the truth is that a relationship with a kid, it's just like every other relationship, Mm -hmm. you need to give it time and attention and, you know, be open and vulnerable and, you know, be human and give it that attention that it needs in order to grow. And that's the same. So that whole find a thread is right, right? It's like, find something like invite your kid you want to like get to know them, like get into their world and and create that connection. Because ultimately, like we know that it's, you know, if we're moving away from using power, you know, power over another human being, then then what is it that makes it so it's easy for you and and to you and you guys, right? And easier for us is for me when my kids are teens. It's because of the connection, right? It's the connection that makes this desire to cooperate and to work out problems and to all of those things. Right. So it's like, that has to be, that's everything, right. That has to be cultivated. So yeah, you know, find that, find that thread. And, and if it has been hurt and damaged and lost, like there may need to be, um, you know, you repair that happens. Um, there's, you know, uh, there's a real wonderful tool that I love for repair that I got from the um, Plum Village community of Thich Nhat Hanh, and it's called Beginning Anew. And I love this tool because it could be like a letter, it could be a conversation, it could be an email or whatever it is. But this idea of like, w- we have to just be open and vulnerable and, and and say to our kids like that, that friend of yours, you know, may need to say they were going to do a beginning and new letter, they might say to their kids, like, hey, these are all the things I appreciate about you. You know, this is what, you know, I want to see, I see you in, in your your beauty, right, in these things. And then in the second part, they would share their own regrets and say, hey, this is what I regret. Like, I've worked too much. I miss this. I really regret this. Like, be human and open and vulnerable. And then in the third part, then you might have a chance to share talk about any hurts and difficulties that they may have currently in the relationship in a way that's not accusatory. But I love this tool because like, A, when you tell someone, this is what I appreciate about you, they're like, oh, you're not just coming to me 
with a problem and complaining, like you're seeing all of me. And then B, when you tell them your own, share your own regrets and vulnerabilities, they're like, oh, you're being human. Okay, I'll listen to you. And then it opens up the door for this. Then we can talk about whatever difficulties we have in front of us. But I don't, I don't think it's ever too late. I had a, I taught mindful parenting to a in-person group, low-income group in my area. And, um, and there's a grandmother there and she was like there cause she was watching our six-year-old grandson. But at the end of the whole thing, she knows it's like things with her grandson are better. Great. But she was like tears. She was so moved. And she said to me how she healed her relationship with her adult daughter mm. using these tools. And I think that's, true like you that can happen and it gives me goosebumps thinking about it still because it's like yeah it's never too late why would you ever say oh okay well forget it i give up you know right. i'm like i'm giving up on this no there's never too late to turn it around well and what you just said is is the what i love about having these discussions about relationships with our partner or our kids is that they're universal there's nothing that we talk about that is like just for children i i really i mean maybe some people can point out you know, certain things, but for the most part, the humility that you're talking about, the ability to own what is yours, the ability to recognize where you've harmed, where you've hurt, the decision to repair, um, all that is with everybody. That's, this is, and that's kind of the thing is I feel like there's a lot of people who view relationships or partnerships or, you know, friendships at work or whatever in one way. And they're like, yeah, but I'm different as a parent. And that's always my first question. Mm -hmm. Why, why are you a different human? with your with your kids mm -hmm. like why do they not know you why do they mm -hmm. not know the music you like why do they not know that you like to dance or why do they not know that you know that you used to be an artist or what are the things about you know your life that you're not sharing and what message did you get you know that you're not supposed to do you find that with your clients and the people you talk to that they don't share their true nature with their kids yeah, I mean, it's this this feeling of like I there's a such a pressure that like I have to be perfect, right? Like I want to be perfect for these kids. I don't want to mess up my kids, right? And so this like we're all like so many of us are in this like achievement mode, you know, you get the grade, you get, you get the get the GPA, whatever, you get the job and then you get to parenting and you're like, okay, I have to win this. I don't want to mess up my kids and give them insecure attachment or avoidant attachment, like horror, you know, like, and that's true. That's like real fear. So, you know, that, but the thing is that, that just that achievement mode, it makes us so anxious and then we can't like relax and be ourselves. And that's actually, sadly, paradoxically, that's exactly what our kids need is us to relax and, and be ourselves and, and, uh, you know, and, and do the things that, that feed us rather than just being a blank slate or like, like Annie Burnside said, like just a role, right? Yeah. Like that's, that's, you know, that's exactly what our kids need from us is, is to be, to be real and, and authentic and, well, and, and I have and a, just chill a little. I, I have <laughs> a really good example. One of our friend, Team Zen members, uh, I won't name her name cause she may not want me to mention it, but she just wrote something either to you or to the team about, um, how she always listens to her kids' music, right? And she doesn't listen to any of her own music. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So we, we were just kinda, talking about this yesterday. Can you kind of quickly do an oh, overview Oh, well, of that? we, I, I actually, I run this women's circle in Team Zen, and we were talking about, um, you know, aspects of ourselves that we need as as moms. You know, it's, it's very layered conversation. But one of the things is she realized that when it came to music that she, when they were little in the car, it was always their music. Understandable. Um, you know, these are not crazy things, but that she kind of continued that and perpetuated that. And now they're older. And she realizes that she hasn't shared with them her love of like pop music from the 80s and 90s. And she, they don't know that she loves that. And she feels like she left that behind. And the reason was because as she was listing her needs, she's like, what makes me happy is my music from my childhood. And so she's bringing that back into her life. And now she's kind of like, I wish my kids would have known that when I was younger. And I remember I felt uh, similarly when my kids were little. Todd, do you remember that? We couldn't play. Oh my, oh god. my god! It had like ninety-five <sighs> songs that lasted for like sixty seconds, yeah. and we had that 
CD in the Toyota <laughs> 4Runner. I know. It's like where you're like, we oh. We listen to it over and over and over again. And I used to say to Todd, someday we will listen to this and be so sad yeah. because our kids will be older. And so I don't even know if we still have that. But I remember <laughs> then, you know, back then we had the capability to burn CDs. You know, I'm aging myself here. But I would make a CD with some We Kid and Play and then I would put in a Backstreet Boys song and then something else and we put in a Smashing Pumpkins song. And, I, and we did that for sanity. It wasn't like, mm-hmm. I want you to know my music, but it's like, I wanted the kids. Give us, give us, give a, us a moment. Something. You know, give us. So, you know, just going back to that, like it's, I guess I, what I'm handing back to you is we can give parents permission to bring themselves yes. and their joys to their parenting. They don't have to accommodate their kids' interests 24 seven. They yeah. can accommodate theirs too. Yes. Yes, definitely. I mean, and that makes such a big difference like uh, uh, as far as like you just being a relaxed help human being right like our kids don't need like it's great like good you know go to the music class I remember we did you know music together that Same. was like our whole thing and then you know go to the different things but like we fill up the days like that's another big thing is like because of this anxiety of like wanting to do it right like we fill up the days with like this class and this class and this class and then we're going to disney and then we're doing this and the big blowout things and like that's wonderful but that's actually not what your kids need most like if because then your brain to kind of go to that mindfulness piece right like your brain is always like what's the next thing and the next thing and I'm planning and I'm, and I'm, I'm, I'm looking at the schedule and next week and next week, and I'm doing all these like like logistics constantly of like meals and, and clothes and out the door and, you know, to the next place and time pressure and all these things. And really, you know, our, our kids need some space, you know, if that's stressing you out, that is definitely stressing your kids out. Like, cause the pace of childhood is slower. Yeah. And they need some space to be kids, like especially little kids, like elementary and below, like you need that time to just play. And then from mom or dad, like, you know, you don't necessarily need, you know, you do need them to some degree to be the person who gets you from place to place, of course. But what you really need is for them to like, you know, express delight in who you are and how are they going to do that if your brain is constantly forever in the future? And and the thing about it is like, we think, oh, I'm going to do all these things and then I'm going to, and then when I get to that, that Cancun vacation, then I'm going to be present with my kids. I'm going to enjoy it. I'm going to be, it's gonna, that's going to be the moment when I will be there and then you've trained your brain to be constantly logistically organizing forever and ever into the future so you can't even do it then when you get there so it's like it's like they you know our kids really need us they want to be seen they want to be heard right they want us to just put the phone down lower the laptop lid maybe turn the burner off even for a moment and just like just turn our bodies and our 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 hands and our eyes to them be open to who they are, listen to, you know, what's going on. And that's the reason why my kids talk to me now because they, they learned, she learned, you know, when my oldest was four and was telling me all these like elaborate stories about my little ponies, like (laughs) I listened to her a lot, a good amount of the time, not all the time. And now she's like, okay, mom sees and hears and listens to me. So it's like, it's, and when you can do that, when you're not like, oh my God, I, I I have to do a bazillion things to be enough to be a good parent, right? Like if when we can just say, okay, actually me being relaxed, me, me listening to Smashing Pumpkins, me sharing like my great love of Cindy Lauper is, is like, that's enough. That's like the connector. That's the glue. And that's that's what they want. I so agree. And, you know, as you were just saying, like on the beach in Cancun and we're like trying, then our brain, we've programmed our brains to look at the next thing. And we've obviously programmed our children's brains to look at the next yeah. thing because they're like, where are we going to dinner? What's happening next? And even we, the way that we interact or the way we're scheduling our days, our kids believe that that's what they're supposed to do too. And it can make them uncomfortable mm-hmm. when they're not. I actually saw um, on TikTok the other day, Hunter, a... It was just this girl she had on her earphones and she was, you know, it was like a voiceover and she was walking around her house getting water. And the voiceover was saying, you know, my dad is watching TV right here and he just said hi and my mom is in the other room. My brother's upstairs and she's like, and people are home and they're around. And then she says, 
I've just gotten my new, my first apartment on my own and now I'm alone and I never appreciated just having people home and around even if they were doing different things. And I think that, and again, we can this this pendulum can swing really far. Where I'm not saying we should go in our home and you know be away from each other and and do our own things all the time. But it is okay to have a sense of peace in your home where one person's reading and one person's doing this, and then you have conversation, and then it stops, and we're all kind of flowing around each other, and not everything is planned or organized. And I think that scares parents, don't you, Hunter? Like I think parents feel like if I'm not planning, I'm dropping the ball. I mean, that's at least what yeah. I hear. I, I definitely get that sense of like I I have to be I have to be on yeah. doing acting like working for the family to be valuable and to be worthy and that's the thing that's that's heartbreaking is like then you're you know you don't realize that you're teaching your kids that right mm-hmm. you're teaching your kids that that's what they have to do like to to that they're not going to be good enough unless they're actively proactively doing all these things or accumulating stuff and experiences and things one of the one of the best things my mom ever did was you know I grew up in like a like a lower middle class family like my dad had his own small sign business and mom's a nurse but mom she uh, she did riding lessons, horseback riding lessons mm-hmm. for herself because she li- liked it. And that's not like a lot of class activity. It's, it's kind of expensive, but there was, there was no question. Mm-hmm. She just like, I remember just hanging around these barns, mm-hmm. like holding giant carrots and like watching horses because mom was like, I'm going to do this for mm-hmm. me. And this is what I want to do. And it was no, there was no discussion about it. No, you know, hand wringing or anything. And I, we never talked about it, but it's only like, oh yeah. Like it was, this was her, her value of taking care of herself and doing something that she loved just for her was just a norm in my household. And, and I, I'm realizing that really isn't wasn't the norm for so so many people and oh I love that so much I love this discussion because as you said that about your mom like I think about my mom and like in and sometimes it can be the things that bug us when we're young you know like my mom was always practicing calligraphy so it's why I write my name the way I do it she loved yoga way before it was a thing and she loved health food stores and chiropractors and all these things that I would be like you know and now it's such a part of who I am and I and I am you know it, or my and my dad had plenty of things too like things about cars that I understand and things about you know movies that I love because of him and I think that this conversation is important like it's the reason I listen I was just telling Todd yesterday I listen to Yacht Rock all the time I have like in my in my car I have Yacht Rock programmed in and right next to it hair bands like I go back and forth between these channels and <laughs> Yacht Rock is my parents you know it was a time when I was young. And I knew my parents were listening to these songs. I didn't necessarily love them, but now they're very soothing. And the reason I'm saying this is is it's not about me personally. This is about sharing your life with your kids. Gives your kids something of you. Because now my parents have, have both died. Like, they're not here. And I they still, I listen to Iraq all the time because then they're here. You know, so mm-hmm. it's like, it's not always about death, but it's about having that relationship that continues on. And if you didn't know who your parents were, if you didn't know their interests or their loves. I think the deal is when our kids are born, we're, we think we're supposed to be deities. Like yeah, we like, are in like charge said, of yeah. everything. Yeah. 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 And then our kids figure out we're just a bunch of suckers who decided to have babies <laughs> who have no idea what the hell's going on. Um, but, and there's usually a big story behind all those things too, you know, like our relationship yeah. when we had them, there's, there's so many things that but, they don't know. And I, and I struggle with this right now. Like there's still a part of me, not a big part, but a part of me that wants my kids to think I'm perfect. They know for certain that I'm not close to perfect, but, um, I think the more that I am able to show them my imperfections and it's scary, like I want them to look up to me. Can right? I, or can I say this, like, because sure. you're talking about imperfections or just your joys yeah. that they may not agree with. Mm-hmm. Like imperfections is like our failures yeah. and our challenges. And, it's you know, both. It's our, both our, our joys and our messiness. Your, yeah, the parts of, you know, that you 
there's so many things about and Utah. But weird. there's a fine line there, right? Because we're not going to give all our messiness to our kids, right? right. Because right. that that's not because I, I know that's not what you're saying. But like, yeah. I won't just want the listener to understand totally that. Right. Like, you need to have your friends, your therapist, your whatever yeah. to unpack your stuff with and to like, you know, last night I was at the pool and I was really sad because of something my daughter was going through. But I didn't want to at that moment burden her with mm. that. So I went to a friend and stood there while she inflated her kids blow inflatable, you know, whatever. And I like she gave me a hug and I had a cry and I, you know, I, so it's like, but you're right. Like we want to show them we need to be human, but it's a middle path. It's mm. not it's not like I'm just going to be all my messiness and it's not going to be I'm going to be perfect. It's like a weird middle. Well, and what we what Kathy and I say in the podcast all the time. Well, these are my words, I guess parenting is an art form. Like anybody who's looking for a rules of parenting, forget it. Because there's some days one thing might work and other days uh, the opposite might work. Um, and I think it's the idea that um, there's no way to parent. The idea is just for me to tune in to see what I think needs to happen in this moment. And I'm going to screw up half the time. And when I do, hopefully I learn from it. So. And even playing, you know, you were talking about Annie's uh, book, you know, soul to soul, roll to roll. And, and there, and I'm all, you know, I love the soul to soul. And that's, that's where we want to put our energy. And that's where everything begins. That's the root. But it is interesting that we do have a role, meaning we mm. are, to your, your point, Hunter, I'm, I'm reiterating that we are the parent. So to your point, we can't, we're not, I don't go to my kids with my problems. I, I share with them challenges I've had. I share with them, you know, maybe some history of life or my joys or things I love or that today was hard for this reason. But I'm not going to them with things I would go to my therapist with because mm -hmm. I do have a different role in their life that mm -hmm. maybe when we get older, you know, is as my parents got older, obviously things started to shift a little bit where I was in more of a parent role with them, but that's way down the road. When our kids mm -hmm. are little, there is a, I'm going to share with you, but I like your, I like you saying that point of, you know, and Todd's adding to that, it's an art. We share messy, but they are not the messy, they are not the people we go to with the messy. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. they are the, they're watching us live, but they don't, especially child developmentally appropriate, you know, there's stages like there's, they're not going to see everything. Maybe they have seen us cry, but maybe we're not going to cry every day, you know, yeah. where they feel the yeah. burden of that. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing is like, so my, my oldest daughter is going through a health challenge and she's, she has a, uh, she's in a lot of pain. And so I, I, she had gotten some uh, hiking poles to help her walk when her feet and legs hurt. And, um, and it was really, it's hard for me to see it. Yeah. And that's what made me really sad yesterday. And so I cried to my friend mm -hmm. and then I walked home and I played with the dog and everybody was still at the pool. And I walked home, I played with the dog. I sat outside in the garden for a while and it was good. But then, you know, my a younger daughter, she's so intuitive. She's like, mom, you know, I went to say goodnight to her. She's like, mom, you, what's going on with you? You seem sad. Like she could see it, you know, it, she yeah. is just like, oh, mm -hmm. you know. And so, but it was nice though. I mean, speaking of that, that line of like, well, yeah, you know, I'm, I am feeling really sad because I'm seeing Maggie struggle. And, and she's like, and for her, that was a, a moment where she was like, yeah, it's really hard for me to see her struggle mm -hmm. too. And I'm worried about camp next week and blah, blah, blah. And it was this moment of opening, but it was, you know, and, and there is that path, that place where you need to have space for yourself, right? Like yeah. we need to reckon, I had to recognize in that moment, Oh, like this is, this is hard right now. I need to like take some space away from the pool <laughs> and raft mm -hmm. night. <laughs> and I need to like, have some time alone and that and process to that to a certain degree that I can. And then, then I'm able to, to also then, you know, share that some of that humanity with my kids. So it's, it's, it's a, it's a little of both. I'm sure your daughter knows this, but do you, do you explicitly say it from time to time in those moments where you're having, let's say one of those emotions of sadness or fear, or anger, let's just say sadness in that case. Um, do you explicitly say, listen, it's not your job to fix me, take care of me, mm -hmm. even console me? Like, do you say that? Do you indicate that? Is there an intention there? Does she know that? 
because I think well, I think that story sounded joined. Mm-hmm. Yes. Do you was, know what I mean? Like Hunter said, I'm feeling this way, and her daughter then got to say, "Me too." Yeah. So to in that situation, I know what you're saying. Yeah. And there's there's other times when we yes, are having yes, a really I crappy have. day, and then we mm-hmm. share that crappy day with our kids, and even if I don't want my kids to make me feel better they they take it upon themselves to do it and uh, I think that's an important kind of distinction that we want to make right but also like as they get older that's a beautiful thing for them to do Mm -hmm. is to take it upon themselves to make you feel better that's like them being in relationship with you and Mm -hmm. that's really beautiful you know um and yes I have said that like you know yeah I'm feeling sad today like no you know it's honey thank you so much it's not your you know it's not your fault it's not Anything you did, just this is what you know. You know, you it's not your job to have to make me feel better. And I think it's important to say those words explicitly. But then you're right. Like it's you're talking about this transition, like right from young, where we're protecting that bubble of young and innocentness, right? And we, you know, we they're gonna see us be real because like that's life, right? <laughs> but it's like we do our best to kind of protect them from the 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 anxieties and worries and things of the of the larger world right and then as they get older like they know more and more of it they see more and more of it they're more and more aware and then if you get you know if you got a 20 year old who's says oh dad i'm gonna make you cookies because you've had a rough day like rock on that's a great person there well and i'll give my personal example of how not to do this um trying not to throw my dad under the bus every morning i would get up in the morning, go to the grocery store, get him a long john, uh, the newspaper, before I went to school. And he was okay it's with a long that. john a beer? No, it's a, it's, a uh, it's, it's a donut. It's a donut. Oh, a donut. It's okay. a, it might be a Midwestern like a word. East Coast, West Coast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like Midwest. What do you call, in the, in the East Coast, what do you call like the, the long, long rectangular donuts? Oh, that's a cruller. Oh, oh is that interesting? Mm-hmm. So every morning I would do that. <laughs> At, not every morning, but many mornings because I wanted to take care of my dad. And my dad had every ability to go to the grocery store himself. But at the time, he was in a bad place and he was okay with uh, being taken care of by his 10-year-old son. And I, I'm sharing that story for the mm-hmm. parents out there that I just want them to know the distinction because I'm still trying to unwind some of I was, that crap. I was going to say, and that wasn't – that was a continuous – Yeah, there was a power – you know, there was a shift there where it was like, you take care of me versus, and and this is why it's an art because this is why these conversations and, and I appreciate, you know, your, your books, Hunter, and you know, your new one, you put these things in essay form and kind of like talk through a specific situation because there are no hard and fast rules. Like we can sit here and say, don't, don't dump on your kids, you know, don't dump on your kids. But then is dumping, sharing how you feel and then having them agree mm-hmm. with you and then you have some common bond and you realize each other's humanity, that's fine. Right, because if, if we want our kids to be able to express emotions, Correct. they need to see us express emotions. So like all the things, it's why, I mean, you know, I say this at nauseum, but it's why everything is paradoxical. I mean, it's why that's why we use the word zen. I, it's like mm-hmm. everything is is yes and and everything is this and that and, and but and, you know, like there is, there are no hard and fast rules and so... The ability to be in t- like what I will say to to the stories we're talking about, Hunter, is that what I struggle with the most now that my girls are the age that they are is even though my therapist doesn't love that I use this word because it's just there it, it's codependency where I felt like I was more clear when they were younger about I could differentiate myself from them. I, I did not feel enmeshed with them when they were younger, mm-hmm. whereas mm-hmm. now that they're older, the experiences they're having feel so similar to experiences that I'm having and I'm like feeling them so intensely that there is like I'm I'm not okay until they're okay and you just sharing your daughter's health challenge I know you know I just had something go through my body when you said that because I know that feeling of like um even though all of our experiences are personal and different of like we wake up and those are our thoughts is them 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 and and so you know do you struggle with that too like separating during the day, like my stuff, their stuff, you know, or, and you may not use the word codependency, whatever word feels right to you. I mean, no, I mean, I, I, I don't, I don't struggle with that in the same way. I mean, I definitely think that, you know, 
we enter our right like we my feeling I feel your feelings and and you know and that's okay right like human beings we are intermeshed and interdependent and I think that there's in some ways like in some ways I'm like your therapist like I don't love the word codependent mm-hmm. because human beings are supposed to be dependent on each other we aren't supposed to be like little human individualist silos that just exist on our own even though we have that ability to do that now like that just doesn't make us happy or healthy or anything so we kind of we we are interdependent with each other and that's okay and that's normal and healthy so in one sense there's that on the other sense i also don't feel like i have to solve all my kids problems and I want to, God, I want to, you know, like, I want to like wave a magic wand and, you know, just make this thing go away. But I like my helplessness, you know, there, we realize our helplessness to fix their problems, like again and again and again and again and again, all throughout their lives, right? Like they have this problem and we can be, you know, it, it, it's always much better if we're just like uh, a kind of a sidekick or a coach helping them to supporting them as they solve their own problems. Like that's always better. Right. Um, so I, um, I don't know, you know, I, I can, I can do what I can, but I'm also, I guess like, I'm also like, okay, yeah, you want to go to the barn for this afternoon, take the electric bike, get yourself over there. Like, I don't feel, um, I don't feel a lot of pressure to be the solution to all their problems or their ride to everything or, you know, and, and I, I'm, I'm okay with, you know, no, I got it. I'm going to a dance class tonight. You got to find a ride to this thing. <laughs> Sorry. You know, and, and, and having my own needs and having my needs be equal priority with their needs. Yeah. I think that my, my difference is that there is what I do, which is allow them to have their lives and I'm not involved in their, you know, there's a lot of separation. And then the way I feel that this mm-hmm. is where my work is, is it's less about I feel the need to solve their problems because that's that's their life. And the, you know, but there is a I think it's just I remember there. I remember I'm not that far. I mean, I am far from being a teenager, but they're more adult situations. And so you know how things like when they were eight, I didn't remember being eight that Mm -hmm. well. And so Mm -hmm. the enmeshment, I didn't have it at all because I was like, you need to go through this and whatever. Whereas now I'm saying with my words, you need to go through this, but I'm walking away remembering the feeling Mm -hmm. of it. It's Mm -hmm. just so intense. And I don't, and I don't think that everyone has that experience. I think, I think Todd would attest that mine's pretty intense. Well, um, here's, yeah, you have, you know, there's certain things that you're worrying about. Like our kid had a struggle yesterday with her college classes. And I was like, whatever, like it's all going to work. And you're like worried because she's worried. So I'm she's uninvolved. But, she's doing it herself, but I'm thinking about it. But that's then, what I, that's what I'm working But on. then you throw something at me like money or whatever. Yeah. And I'm like, or my dad, like th- I'm like get all reactionary and I'm yeah. like completely jacked up. So we just have our own uh, triggers, uh, triggers, Achilles, whatever. And so. So Hunter, I, because we haven't, I want to like, you know, dig into your book, but before we get into your new book, I have to ask about Raising Good Humans. Your book has been a best-selling book. It, every time anything I put in, you know, as far as parenting, your book will pop up at the top. I told you that a while ago, but I'm always like, shit, like, or sorry. Sweetie, no swearing is on parenting radio. (laughs) But it's doing so well. I'm so pleased for you. And I'm sure you feel so proud. And, um, you know, so tell us about that experience of writing that book and having such a success with that book. Like, was that a surprise? Was there a, was there a thing that happened where it just went crazy or was it kind of a slow burn where everybody just seems to have it now? Oh, I, I, yeah, no, I mean, I wrote the book and I, I put, you know, I did my best to write the book, but I kind of was like, this is amazing. I'm a published author. Like if it sells 3000 copies, I'll be so happy. Like, this is great. And then like time went by and, and, you know, I think the pandemic helped my book because people were kind of home. It was released in December, 2019. And then people were home. I don't know, but, but yeah, I didn't, it was kind of a surprise to me. I did things where, you know, I did interviews and I did all these different things, but um, but it was this sort of slow burn. And and then suddenly it was like, kind of like summer of 2021. I was like, I got this, this royalty check. And I was like, 
oh my God, my book is doing really well. Like, wow, this is really surprising. And now it's like been, I have it in like Japanese and Brazilian Portuguese. And it's like, oh, you know, over 200,000 copies. And I'm just like, I don't, I'm, it's a little surprising to me. I think I, I feel like the, the book gods have blessed me. Thank you. Oh, book gods. And, um, and yeah, but I, yeah, so I, I feel, I feel very, very fortunate. And, and my husband's always like, honey, your book was at number blah, 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 blah on Amazon today. And I'm like, wow, really? That's amazing. Yeah. I guess it's resonating with people. (laughs) Yes. Yes. That's wonderful. And, and so going into writing this next book, um, did you have an idea? Did you, you know, because the the next book has a similar title, but it's a different structure. So, mm-hmm. can you can you explain, you know, why you went in this direction? Like, what was what did you feel after you know finishing this book that you still wanted to tell and dive into? Well, I felt like one of the things that really inspires me is um, I. Uh, actually, I th- I'm pretty sure I heard you talk about it on an episode of your of Zen Parenting Radio way back when that you talked about the Book of Awakening. Yeah, right. And it's a 365 day book. And so I love books like that, where there's like a little thing every day. And that's what I actually pitched to the publisher's person. I'm very grateful that they said, Hunter, that's too many pages. How about 50 things? Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, okay, now that I, um, now I can recognize like, that would have been really hard if I had done like 65. And I was like, oh my God, I have 300, you know, left. But anyway, so I wanted to, in Raising Good Humans, I really wanted to focus on like these essential things I found, like really practical tools, like mindfulness tools to help us be less reactive and skillful communication, right? I was like, because I was like, okay, this is like the how of how do you do it, right? Like here's some some really practical tools. And then with Raising Good Humans Every Day with the format of this like smaller book and these 50 short little chapters are like three to four pages each. I was able to expand and and that's the thing, like, as you know, like I've been doing this podcast, like for 10 years, interviewing all these experts on all these different things. And I've learned all this stuff about all kinds of stuff, including like about our, our homes and our environments and our schedules and all these different things. And and there were just so many varied things that contribute to a peaceful, more relaxed, more enjoyable parenting experience that I wanted to, I love the the idea that I could just separate it out into all these 50 little chapters. And so that someone can open it up in any place at any time and just be like, okay, I'm just going to do this one thing. And I think that's what I do well is I translate things that are, can be, you know, research or things that can be kind of complex and, you know, you can dive into any of them in, in depth. And I translate it in a way that's really like relatable and really practical for people. And I think that's what this book does. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I know I was having fun. I, I read it a while ago. Uh, Hunter allowed me to see it when, you know, a while ago, but I was kind of going over the chapters again last night and they're good titles too. Do you have, um, you know, such a cliche uh, interview question, but do you have a favorite? Do you have a chapter that you're like, this was the most fun to write? Hmm, that is a good question. I'm not sure I do have a, a one that was the most fun to write. I did like, you know, I liked being able to write the how to pause chapter because mm-hmm. I remember being like, like all these parenting coaches would be like, and step one, pause, and then say this thing. And I'd be like, but how do you pause? Right. How? So I was you know, kind of get that into four pages, right? And uh, and then kind of, dip. I, I enjoyed, you know, I enjoyed, I really enjoyed like getting some of the quotes for the beginning of the book, you know, in chapter five, I'm losing it. I quote my friend Carla Nomberg and she says, kids do idiotic, idiotic, obnoxious stuff that's unlikely to change anytime soon. So if your plan for keeping your cool depends on your child's ability to do the same, that's going to end poorly for everyone. <laughs> so I love that. And, you know, other, other, uh, it's hard quotes, to find quote like I did quotes for I've done quotes for all my books and sometimes they don't 
like, especially I had to really do some research for this last one because I was like, here's a quote I love. It's by this person. And then my editor would be like, no, it's not. It's by this or you got this from the wrong place or this wasn't actually said this way. Quotes are really interesting. They're not really what we think they are. Did you struggle with that sometimes? Yeah. 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 Finding the like right attribution because that you would be like, oh, and then you'd have, you'd find like a, some web page that's like, this has been attributed wrong by everybody. And I was like, oh no, I think I attributed it wrong and something. Now let me find it, you know, the right thing. So yeah, that was a challenge. (laughs) I know I had the, it was just, it it was a funny experience that I was spending just as much time on quotes as I was writing. Um, So Hunter, what's next for you? Um, Obviously this book, I'm not trying to like jump to like the next book that you're going to write. But what I mean is now that this book is coming out today, because this is coming out August 1st, what are, you know, what are your hopes for the book? What are you, do you plan on doing a lot of speaking? What, what's coming up for you? Well, yeah, I mean, I, you know, of course, I hope the book does well. It's so funny, because now I have all these like expectations, right, that I didn't have the first time around. But, but yeah, I am doing some speaking, I'm going to be going out to Laramie, Wyoming, and outside of Detroit in a few weeks to do some talks and workshops there. And I got to go to Egypt earlier this year to do a talk, which is bananas. And it was so cool. I took my 13 year old daughter and we spent four days in Cairo, like that's it. Like we're in and we were out like maybe three and a half days actually. And, uh, and so, yeah, I, I want to do all those things that we're actually coming out. The publisher I've written in, we're coming out with a raising good humans guided journal Good at the first of the year. Um, so, so that'll be out too. So it's a little whole suite of things, which is so crazy to me, but, um, but yeah, and and tonight it's uh it's August first. This coming out, we're having a book launch party in New York, and I get to give away books like Oprah and T-shirts, and so it'll be fun. I kind of, I think the first time around, they were like, "Nah, everything's digital. You don't do any parties." And this time, we were like, "We want to have a thing with in person. We're gonna do a an event." So. We'll be toasting to raising good humans every day tonight. That sounds lovely. Well, and we wish you the best of luck on this new book. Um, and congratulations on all your success. I feel like we've kind of been going along together here for about 10 years. And it's good to know that you're out there teaching, um, you know, trying to raise good humans, right? Um, anything we forgot to ask or anything you want to do to promote yourself aside from the two books? Yeah, where Hunter? people can find you and everything. Well, as podcast listeners, you can go to the Mindful Mama podcast, and I, um, and of course, and I'm doing a, uh, I, I do, a, now I do a mindful parenting teacher training program. I'm teaching people to teach it. So that's all you can find stuff like that all at mindfulmamamentor.com. And yeah, and I just want to, I mean, a, a lot of the inspiration for this, as you guys know, is comes from you. Like I was list, I was in my painting studio painting about my frustrating moments and listening to, I remember like listening to ZPR, like again and again and again. And it, it, it helps so much to hear real people share so honestly. And, um, and so I, I hope that everything I'm doing is continues that, right. That, uh, that continues that authentic thread of, of empowerment and encouragement and vulnerability. And so I just want to give that shout out to you, but yes, you can find me at all those places too. Oh, that's nice. Thanks Hunter. We appreciate it. Uh, It's out today, everybody. Um, Raising good humans every day. So go out the link to Hunter's book will be in the notes. So just scroll down and buy your book. Um, And Hunter, thanks so much for joining us. It was really a pleasure. Thanks Hunter. Thank you. All right. Um, So we will catch everybody else on the next episode of Zen Parenting Radio next Tuesday. Keep trucking, everybody. Thanks for listening, everyone. If you have appreciated or enjoyed a decade of Zen Parenting Radio podcasts, please tell a friend or leave a five-star review. We are grateful for your support. If you want more Zen Parenting, consider joining Team Zen Circle, our very own app that includes our virtual community, exclusive content, and support from us. You could also purchase Kathy's award-winning book, Zen Parenting, Caring for Ourselves and Our Children in an Unpredictable World, or subscribe to Zen Parenting Moment. You can find these opportunities and more at zenparentingradio.com slash resources. And if you want to connect through social networking, you can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Keep trucking, and we'll talk to you again next week.